The bald fat man is Jeff. In the wild, Jeff preys upon fast food and mounting dew. Each new morning, he surprises himself that he survived another day. The dark-hair-bearded fellow is Garrett. His spreadsheets are a way of survival, and his opinions are fine. Just fine. Together, the Jeff and the Garrett form the Give em Hell Brigham podcast. Despite their lack of tangible skills or noticeable intelligence, they not only survive together, they thrive together. So strap in, folks. Things are about to get weird. A new episode of GEHB starts right now. Welcome to another episode. A Friday morning, Jeff is sick on his deathbed episode of Give Him Hell, Brigham. I've risen from the deathbed. I'm no longer on my deathbed. However, uh, I am still on my bed. There's no doubt about that. And I'm I'm glad you're here. It's just really sucky that you... I mean, we so we were supposed to record in person for the first time ever. It's almost as if God does not want this to happen. But the we're supposed to record in Vegas together for the first time ever. And then what do you know? You get COVID. You got the vid, the Rona, whatever you want to call it. Whatever nope. the people are mad about in your mentions. Yeah, they were mad. People were real upset. Uh, we only call it SARS-CoV-19 now like the only way official names only yeah the only way to show the appropriate respect to the severity of the virus is to call it sars whatever 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 because uh, yeah i mean and i don't want to say people because it wasn't people (laughs) it was just the one guy it was a person and if you listen to this show we don't want you to listen to this show guy you know who you are we're not gonna we're not gonna need you around here no, we're not going to gaslight you, throw your name out there, and let everybody else know. I think people already know. But if you're listening, stop. I, we don't. You, you don't need to Just be part of this. this one one no. will not make the difference. No, because here's the thing. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I think we're, we're, we're a big enough brand now, Garrett, that for those of you who are uncultured and don't know what the happened. The uncultured swine. Yeah. So for those of you who are uncultured, uh, uh, somebody – Got on my case because, uh, oh my word, I got to like back up really to like the beginning. I tested positive like 30 minutes before the game. And I was there with my dad who now has it. He's pretty miserable. I was there with his crazy uncle who is, I guess, my crazy, it's his crazy cousin. So I guess he's my crazy cousin, but he's like 70 something years old. Just had a heart attack uh, a little while ago. And, and so there were some health factors there that we had to like, Whoa, like, what are we going to do now that we're COVID positive? And you can agree or disagree with our decision of packing up and leaving with the I don't care. We did it because we felt like it was right for us, right? So in the interest of informing the people that my BYU coverage, because keep in mind, Garrett, we run a live chat on the Discord server. I do Cougar Sports Insider. We have a live thread going on there. And of course, Twitter, right? Like people follow me because I cover BYU. All of a sudden, the biggest game of the year that I'd been talking about all week long, and I had been in Vegas and talking about bets and all this stuff, I wasn't going to say anything during this game. I felt like I had to explain like, hey, I'm going to disappear during the game because I'm sick. I'm going home. I'm actually not going to watch this game. 
So I tweet out that, hey, I've tested positive for the vid, and I'm not able to make the game. We packed up. We cut our vacation short, checked out of the hotel early, skipped the game. We'd spent thousands of dollars on this trip, and as soon as I had tested positive for a voluntary test, mind you, and I wasn't very sick at the time, uh, we packed up, we left, we went home. Somebody, one somebody, got on my case and said that because I called it the vid, I was downplaying the severity of the virus. Now, I'm not going to get into what he said, because uh, I don't know him. I don't know who he is. I don't know his you know background, who his friends are, who anything like that. Uh, I know that he has COVID and had had long COVID and all that stuff. And that sucks. And I actually thought that I was being very respectful to those long COVID people by saying, look, even though society is kind of over COVID, I'm going to voluntarily take a test and, oh, it's positive. I'm going to, on my own accord, do the what I felt was the right thing and leave so that I don't subject anybody else to this virus. But because I didn't say COVID, Garrett, he flipped out and got on my I case about I just downplay. don't understand people who are like that. Like It just boggles my mind, and I cannot wrap my head around it. It does not make sense to me. It doesn't. And then someone I was like, dude, you made a lot of assumptions about me based on my exclusion of two words. He's like, no, you've done this before. I know you. These aren't assumptions. Uh, you're right, homie. I probably have called it the vid or Rona or something. That isn't to downplay the, the severity. That's because I don't call it influenza B every season either. I call it in the flu. I don't call respiratory SARS virus that my kid had respiratory SARS, whatever the hell. I call it RSV. We have nicknames. You know, if somebody dies of cancer, you say they died of cancer. You don't go to say, well, my cousin died of esophageal cancer. You, you just say cancer. This guy right. needs to get the hell over himself. And yeah, truly, if you are a listener of this show, and I, I would be surprised if you were, but if you are, stop. We don't want you. You, you, you we, we want to grow the audience, obviously, but not with, not with you. You need to get off. We of don't, this we shit. don't need you around here. That I'm kind of, I need to go through your mentions because now I'm curious to see who it was. Um, but I honestly don't even know who he is. He's f- allegedly followed me for many, many moons. I don't know who he is. The uh, I need to find. So there was a I, something. I said something political, like a year and a half ago and some dude came at me and was like if you were fair you would say this blah 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 and i just linked him to tweets where he had also been mad at me like six months before that <laughs> when i had said something about the other side because you know me i am an equal opportunity hater here oh yeah oh, i yeah. hate like we should just drop a nuke on dc and that is our best political option um both sides but yeah um the uh, but it was just like, chill out, bro. Like, you, why are you so angry about this on the freaking internet? Yeah, but very weird. Very, very strange. But I'm glad that you are recovered. You are healthy. You, you said you tested negative yesterday. I did. So I'm assuming you're not going to make the trek down. No, I, I still am tired. Like, I got, I got knocked out pretty good. Uh, that I vacuumed the other day. I was vacuuming my, my living room. And by the end of the vacuuming, I had to like sit down and sleep because I was panting. My kids have, uh, I guess my sons, my daughter is uh, somehow, my, my daughter and my wife have avoided 
uh, the plague so far, but my two sons are now positive dealing with it themselves. So yeah, we will not be making the trip down to Provo. Uh, but yeah, I got to say that whatever variant of COVID has hit the Hanson house, it appears to be sexist. It is only attacking uh, the XY chromosomes in our house, not the XX is. So Interesting. How is that even... Uh, that's weird. So did your boys have it? Yeah, both boys have it. But the girls don't. It's girls just do something, something special about your uh, in-laws' side of the family. Something yeah. in those genes. Yeah, um, and, and speaking of the family... This is a segue. We said we're not going to have an introduction. This is kind of my introduction. Uh, I just said XY chromosome, right? That means the guy. And I know that because in seventh grade, I took human biology in seventh grade, and I was taught the phrase, the Y makes the guy. And so that's how I've always known XY. XY means guy. Now now you and JK Rowling, the only ones holding to that. Well, I mean, there's that. So we're not going to get into that, but I know that that's what that means, right? Uh, I went to Moab over the summer, and this is our segue. And my my, I guess he's my ex brother in law, but we're still very close. We were friends before either one of us married into my current in law family, and he has since divorced out of the family, but we're still friends. He uh, was going to Moab with me and my dad, and he said, "Hey, do you guys mind if I bring a friend with me?" And we were like, "Well, this is weird. Who's the friend?" Or like, what is it, right? And he was like, oh, it's of the... I can't remember exactly how I asked it. I think I said, is this friend a guy? Like, what is going on? And he said, no, 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 it's the XY. And I was like, so that is a guy? Like, no, I don't want you to bring... Like, who is he? Oh, he's from Chicago. I don't want you to bring some dude from Chicago that I don't know to go on this trip to Moab where we're just going to be sitting in the car all day long doing right. Jeep stuff, right? So we kind of were like, eh, no, that doesn't sound very fun. Uh, so he's like, all right, no problem. Well, we pick up the ex-brother-in-law, current friend, whatever we call him. I don't know what you call him. Picked him up, and we were like, so who's this friend from Chicago that you were going to bring? And it, oh, Ashlyn. Like, well, Ashlyn's a girl name, feller. Like, you told us it was a guy. He's like, oh, I told you it was XY. Yeah, that's a guy. He's like, oh, well, shit, I guess I didn't pay attention. So this whole time he could have been bringing this girl that was like, yeah, if you want to bring a girl and it's your new whatever, like, by all means, we would have said yes. How is this a segue into our show? Uh, She's a big Arkansas fan, and I think she will be in the stadium on Saturday. So, well, there we go. Segway, um, Arkansas week. The last segment of, did you see, speaking of J.K. Rowling, did you see her tweet yesterday that was going around? I'll be honest, I have not seen any J.K. Rowling tweets ever. So she is, like, very adamant that, like, she is, uh, what do they call it? What's the term? A turf, I believe. is like a transition uh, yeah, radical. Like, people are mad at her because she believes that the... Uh, like transgender movement is diminishing yeah, yeah, yeah. womanhood, right? Yeah. She's very like, you can be what you want to be, but like, don't take away from her. So somebody tweeted at her two days ago, how do you sleep at night knowing you've lost a whole audience from buying your books? And she screenshotted that and then tweeted the screenshot saying, I read my most recent royalty checks and find the pain goes away pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of funny, actually. It's hilarious. Uh, um, turf. I know the word turf. 
because I, in my stupor of COVID and I've been watching Netflix for a week, I watched some Chappelle stand up and he talks about turfs. And the only thing he said about it was, I only know what turf means because I've had to learn that people will make up words to win arguments. And so that was something that has happened is we've made up this phrase turfs and now that means something. Was that the, uh, was that the one that everyone like you were, he was talking about like the trans person that he knew and it was like, his friend that ended up committing suicide. Um, I don't know if it was that one because yeah. if you've never watched Chappelle's show or, or like in, in, not Chappelle's show, but Chappelle's standup, I mean, for like 20 years, he's been talking about the same subjects over and over and over again. Yeah. So I don't know which one he talked about it, but I know I did watch the one that you're alluding to. Yeah. That was... the, his newest one that everyone was like very upset about, which I thought it was fantastic. And it was like, he made a very good point and it was like anyone who actually watched it would kind of see it. But yes, into, into the Arkansas week, we're not even, I think everyone has said their piece of what they want to say about last weekend. Um, yeah. I do think is interesting how it's like, we, we said, we talked on the discord all week that Jaron Hall was banged up. I think it was like Monday or Tuesday is when we first people, people on people who are in our VIP section knew that he was banged up. It was never in doubt well, we that all, he was ever going to play. Like we, we all knew should he was going to play. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watched that game last week should have seen when he went down, I guess two weeks ago against Utah State, should have seen when he went down, that like, oh, his shoulder's not right. Because well, his shoulder's not like, right. Hold it. Yeah, you know? he got up holding it, and then he didn't throw the ball downfield at all right. for the entire rest of the game. Right. Um, and so he, um, yeah, so he needs to, um, like, we knew that he was hurt. We said that he was hurt. It was never a doubt that he wasn't going to play. It was always, you know, that he was going to play, but it just, my, I mean, obviously, I don't have this. I kind of feel like in I don't. Did you go back and actually watch the game, or did you just listen on the radio and call it good? Um, I went back and watched chunks of the game. So I feel honestly like the way he was so slow going through his progressions and so out of the norm for him. I'm convinced that like they gave him a bunch of painkillers like an hour before kickoff to help like get him through getting his. Ooh, and he was and drugged just, up. He was just drugged up, and then it like by the time like the halftime goes over and then it's like, Oh, okay. Like now, yeah, my arms warmed up, like not as sore. And it's like, it kind of worn off a little bit hey, because I'm he a, was just mentally seeing the field like way better, but it was just, I'm I mean, a I sucker wrote, for a conspiracy and I'm down to say that. I mean, it, it's honestly what he looked like. He just looked like his eyes were just like, he was in la la land. And, um, but it's, yeah, I, it was just an ugly game on both sides of the ball. I mean, I wrote about this earlier this week that like the defense is what it is. You know, we knew what we were getting. Like, what was that? Uh, the seminary movie. It's like you knew what I was when you picked me. Oh up. yeah, the, the snake. snake. Uh-huh. That's like that's how I feel about the defense. But like the offense, the same one I knew what I was getting when I picked it up. I thought I was picking up something different. I thought I was getting some like dry, uh, a dry aged prime ribeye. And I've got some friggin' sirloin from Texas Roadhouse. It, it is the equivalent right now. The, the All right. You're in the desert, right? We're going to stick with our seminary theme. Like, we know what the, the snake thing is. We know that. But you're in the desert. What else happens when you're in the desert? You're thirsty, right? And you find... You prime the pump? Well, you. we're not going to stick with that theme. We're sticking in the desert. Uh, but we find a beautiful, I don't know, stream. And we take our 
whatever, our, our canteen, and we fill it up with this beautiful water of offense that, hey, I'm going to survive the desert with my snake and my crappy defense because I've got this water. We're going to make it. And then you drink the water, and the water has Giardia. That's where we're at. We've got yes. Giardia offense right now, and mm. I don't – I wasn't the, expecting and the that. offensive I was line, water. especially the running game, like it is, we are lit- quite literally crapping the bed. So the Giardia is actually a very apt description of what is going on here. And I think w- with that too, it's like the two biggest things, and it's is that I don't know if it's by design. I think some of it is because Arod has kind of mentioned it, but it's like we ran mesh, like throwing over the like not like over the middle and what like pff says between the numbers over the middle but like right. we're talking directly over the tackle box over the middle like we ran mesh so much with zach wilson and we have completely gone away with that it'd be interesting to, i need to go back and watch some of like the three four games that baylor romney played in last year just to see how like differently he did it but it's like Jaron, he doesn't see that's his biggest NFL knock throwing the ball. Like he can throw as good a deep ball as anybody in the country. He has the arm strength. He can hit the deep out, but it's like, can is, and I don't know if it's by design because they just don't want him to like, cause you know, a rod says, Hey, we have fast enough receivers that we can push the ball deep outside. So it doesn't matter. And we don't need to like take the additional risk of throwing in the middle. Or if it's just like, no, he's literally blind and can't see anything behind over the lineman. So we're not even get, like, if that's why I was hunting it, but it's working that directly like that tough throw. That's his biggest knock. And also, you know, just like not being able to run the ball consistently is something that, you know, especially when we're saying this is the most talented, deepest offensive line, maybe in BYU history. And we got like basically all five starters back and plus the sixth and seventh guys, like, you know, it, it's eight deep on the offensive line. Guys, offensive experiences. I expect them to move bodies and they are not moving bodies. I actually think the offensive lines played a little bit better than the average person thinks they have. I, I don't think. I think the running uh, – I go to like the fourth and one play uh, against Notre Dame, right? Uh, could they have moved the bodies better? Sure, but they had holes. And I think for the most part, the the five offensive linemen won their battles. But the motion they, – they ran jet sweep. I think it was Puka who ran in motion. That just brought – like it was the safety who was covering them. And it just brought one safety down and they released the other safety, right? There, there hasn't been any shifts in play calling or in coverage based on any of that pre-snap motion at all um, or or what you're seeing pre-snap. So like on that fourth and one play, the play call is to go through, not the A-gap, right? They weren't just going right off the center. That was kind of off tackle. And I don't know if that was a read by like by Lopini. It looked like that was where the design was going to go, yeah. right? And, and you had eight men in the box. And then you ran jet sweep to that side, and that brought that safety down on that side that you were going to run to. And it was like, I, I don't understand. Like, even if the offensive line played really well on that, the way that that play call was working, they, they didn't stand a chance. Yeah. Now, well, and you that, also had, you also, too, on that, it was like you had Mason Wake at the right H-back spot, but they kind of ran like a veer look. So he yeah. was like crashing back to get the backside end. Right. But there, yeah, there was nowhere because there were so many guys in the box, there was nowhere for 
continue to scrape against the grain and like fall awake back out and kind of go off to the backside. And so it was just, yeah, it wasn't, it was a weird play. It was a weird play design in it. But even then, like, I mean, the whole game, other than like, you know, Chris Brooks popping that long run, it was like, I mean, that was three plays in a row where they got stuffed and it wasn't just. Well, yeah. And so it kind of, but that play kind of represents, because that's the play that everybody remembers, but that play kind of represents what I feel like I'm seeing from a play calling perspective. When I look at the offense, and I, you know, we're, we're drinking Giardia right now, right? And I, I, I agree with everything you said. Like BYU's not running mesh. Maybe Jared can't do it, but my gosh, like you gotta, you gotta try to be who you are. Like it isn't just Zach Wilson ran mesh. BYU has ran mesh for forty well, we years. We freaking invented it, <laughs> right? And and so to not run it at all because like you're not even gonna give your quarterback a chance. That that's shocking to me. That's we talk about the defense playing drop eight and everybody blames them for being conservative. But like, if you're not even going to give your quarterback an opportunity to make a play that is very much part of your DNA of who you are as an offense, if you're not even going to give him a chance to make a play because you're afraid he might make a mistake, that is the definition of conservative. Right. And if your conservative play calling is, ah, we're going to run everything to the sideline and we're going to throw it deep. So it's either an overthrow or it's a completion. And that's conservative play calling. If you are on fourth and one, you're not allowing your quarterback, your senior quarterback, whatever Yuri technically is, your fifth year quarterback to get to the line and be like, oh, damn, there's eight men in the box. And that pre-snap or that pre-snap motion just brought another safety down right where we're going to run. Maybe I should audible out if you're not going to give him the ability to do that. That's conservative offensive play calling. And I, I think we're to a point now that I've seen enough from A-Rod in the last month to say that his play call, his game plans are enormously, egregiously crazy conservative right now. Yes. And that's not who BYU is. That's that that is not a recipe for BYU to win games. They're not athletic enough, they're not big enough, and they're not strong enough to be able to win conservatively. They have to force the action. That's what made Jaron so great last year, right? That's what made BYU so great last year is he protected the ball but they were pushing the ball downfield and they had an elite running back who could take that fourth and one play. So here's the thing. Corley Ward pointed this out, uh, that fourth and one play. If Lopini hits the cutback, it's touchdown. There was nobody there. Yep. Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier hits that cutback. That's yeah. the difference. He's neither, neither Brooks nor Pini, like they have like one fifth division that Algier yeah. has. And, and that's fine. Like, in five games into his NFL career, Algier is the starting running back in Atlanta. So like Algier's elite as an offensive coordinator at the college level, you can't rely on elite at every position every year. You have to be able to set your guys up with the talent that they've got. And I don't feel like a rod's doing that. I feel like a rod is being very, very cautious with every game plan right now. And, and you even kind of heard it even from an injury standpoint, right? Like we talked about the Utah State game that after Jared goes down uh, and he doesn't throw the ball again, A-Rod talked about that on the coordinator's corner or maybe it was an oppressor. I can't remember. He talked about it this week and he was like, yeah, he was hurt. I wasn't going to let him get hit again. Like, well, then take him out of the damn game. Like if that's what we're going to do and you're going to totally handcuff yourself to the run game because you're afraid of your quarterback getting hit, you got to go to your backup. Like you cannot be that conservative. And if it's that fragile, then you need to get your backup reps to get right. ready. Something, right? And so that's where I'm at with this is I've seen enough in the last month from the offense that I'm not like the offensive line. Could they play better? Sure. Uh, Puka would have loved it if he didn't drop that ball. 
You know, the receivers could always be a little bit more open. Uh, Jaron could be a little bit quicker with his re- – all of those things can be true. The running back's got to have better vision. All of that stuff can be true. But right now, based on what I'm seeing from A-Rod, even if those guys were operating at a higher level, I'm not convinced that the play calling would be any different. And therefore, yeah. I think BYU would be in a very similar situation to what they're in right now. And this is one of the most frustrating things as a fan, right? Because it's like we have, we're feeling all of these things and seeing all these things with like zero actual insight into like what is going on. Like, I'm sure if you and I sat down with A Rod and Fessy and Daryl Funk and said, okay, like, what is the offensive game plan? Why did we choose to do this and this? There's probably more. It's like, well, this guy's banged up, so we can't do this. Or there's this is going on, sure. so we do this. Or we've graded this out in practice, and every time we've tried this, they have not done this. Because, and there's like so many things. So like, I'm sure that the game plan is logical. And I'm sure if you sat down and actually got a full explanation, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like that makes sense. Like I would, you know, knowing that, I don't know that I would do anything different. Because, I mean, it's not like there's a single perfect play call for every situation, right? There's dozens of things that you could do that would work. And so knowing what is you know give without getting that full picture it's really frustrating but also i can i think corley brought this up uh as well when we were talking about like the defense right and we said like oh everyone complains about just like dropping it it's like we do a ton of stuff on defense we do a ton of different things on defense and unless you specifically watch it like and are really paying attention in person you can't really see it on tv especially but it's um the way way corley put it is like I can tell when I'm sick and I go to the doctor, but the doctor's the one that diagnoses me and tells me what I need to do to fix it. And Mm -hmm. so like, you know, whereas, you know, we're not saying, you know, we know what's best and they need to do X, Y, and Z, but we're not still like, we can tell that something is not working. And he said that, so he actually responded because it was, it was, uh, uh, oh, what's his name? Kyle Griffiths, who played at BYU and then was a GA last year. He went on to Twitter and saying something about like how the coaches have no, you know, they know more about football. That's why you guys are on the internet, blah, blah, blah. You know, like the the stereotypical, like, I right. know football, you don't think. And that that's fine, like whatever. But but Corley was dead on of like, I can very confidently go into the doctor's office and say, uh, I'm sick. I don't know how to fix me, but I know my arm is broken. So doctor, can you please can you please fix it? I think that was where it originated. But like it's true, right? And and uh, to Kyle's point, of course, of course, the football coaches know more, um, know more than we do. Of course, they do. However, it doesn't. You don't have to be a doctor to know that something is broken. And anybody watching the game right now can look at BYU and say something's broken. I don't know how to fix it, but something is broken. I don't know how to fix it, but we are averaging like a touchdown plus a game less than we should be offensively. And it's, we can tell that, you know, something, um, you know, that something, something ain't right. And I don't know what that something is and I hope we get it fixed. But uh, I mean, I mean, I think tomorrow, especially running the ball, um, this is, um, uh, you know, a little like, this is a good opportunity because the Arkansas rush defense ain't good like arkansas started off hot and it was like there it's weird because like they got a lot of credit for beating cincinnati week one and then like climbed their way up to like number 11 before they got their asses handed to them and 
but even now Cincinnati is kind of riding like Cincinnati has also been very met and they're riding that like, well, they're only all losses to Arkansas, you know, like train up to like, I mean, they're flirting around like number out somehow they moved up three spots in the AP poll after almost losing to freaking USF, which I don't understand. Um, the, the American is not so this year, but the, like this Arkansas team, they're not good. I don't. I haven't seen the latest on KJ Jefferson if he is playing or not. He will play. Um, so their their injury situation. They are. There's a really good article on. Uh, I don't know what that. I think they're Hog Sports. It's Arkansas's twenty four seven site. And if you haven't gone there, they have a lot of great pregame content um, from an Arkansas lens, right? And it, there's one particular element that I think is really interesting they highlighted their injury situation. And it's like, oh, we think BYU has all the injuries and nobody else gets hurt. No, we just start paying attention. The yeah. people who say that only watch BYU and don't watch right. other things. So the secondary at Arkansas, Arkansas has the 127th ranked pass defense right now. Bad. Just awful, awful bad. Now, of course, they played Alabama. They played Mississippi State. They played Texas a They played good teams. However, bad. Bad secondary. They are missing... Already, two. I want to say one corner, one safety, but two. We'll just we'll, we'll say defensive backs, right? Two defensive backs have already been ruled out for the year. They have four defensive backs that are all listed at somewhere between doubtful and questionable going into tomorrow. That Hog Sports or whatever they're called, I can't remember. I wish I did. If you guys are listening, you're great. It is Hog Sports. Okay, Hog Sports. They are kind of like hinting. I, I do this on 24-7 myself sometimes. Sometimes you know, but you're not allowed to say. And and that kind of feels like what they're doing. They're like setting the expectation that, hey, as many as four and probably only as few as two of these other four guys are going to be out, right? Like they could potentially be down six defensive backs on Saturday. Oof. And so Arkansas – it's interesting, man. Like the injury situation there is, is interesting. This feels like the game plan, given what we know about Arkansas's pass defense, given what we know about their injury situation. KJ Jefferson is going to play, but he's hurt. Um, so it feels like the offensive game plan for A-Rod to open it up, right? Right. Well, and just know, so looking at this, as I just pulled up uh, on Odd Shark, so we opened at minus two and a half or minus two, depending, or minus three, depending on the book. And then it shifted all the way to Arkansas being a one-point favorite, and now it has shifted back to us being a one-point favorite. So that is a good amount of movement, which that honestly, that tracks to me, and obviously there are no injury reports in college football, that tracks of KJ Jefferson's out, BYU's a favorite, and then, oh, it sounds like Jefferson's going to play. Money starts moving towards Arkansas, and then... Now there's like moving back the other way of like, well, maybe he had a setback. He hasn't been looking good in practice. Like that he is that being QB one, he is the like issue, you know, that is yeah. moving around a lot there. And so, um, and he's good, man. Like in addition he, to being QB one, if he's healthy, he is among the QB tens in the entire country. Like he's very, very good. Yeah. So it's, I mean, if you look at how, um, you know, when you, kind of compare the two teams it's like yeah their defense is not it like that ain't it at all they rush a bunch and that is like you know why 
they are good because they do run the ball well. So it is going to be a test there, but it's their passing game is great and their passing defense is not great. So if, yeah. if Puka is healthy, like this should be a game where, you know, hopefully Chase Roberts is back, you know, Puka's back. I mean, we already got Epson Hill, like they have speed to burn as well. Like they, we should be able to do what we want to do, stretching the ball downfield and they are not a good rushing defense. And so um, I'm going to pull up on team ranking. So they're, yards per carry um let's see stats team stats rushing defense um yards per rushing attempt so they are holy crap did you know that james madison is leading the the five and oh in their first season in the fbs ranked in the top 25 james madison is leading the country in uh rushing defense per attempt and they're only giving up 1.6 yards a carry I've never forgiven James Madison for doing what they did to Weber in the playoffs a couple of years ago when Weber had the game one and James Madison came back. So, so screw James Madison. So Arkansas's rush defense is ranked 106 in the country. They're giving up 4.8 yards a carry. Um, and the and yards that, of- that includes a game against Mississippi State. And Mike Leach don't run the ball ever offense. Yeah. Um, so they are, and so for on the distribution, you know, just to kind of get a ballpark. So like number 60 is Syracuse or 55 is New Mexico. That's four yards a carry. And then top 20 Baylor is top is number 25 at three and a half yards a carry. So there is a little bit more of like a distribution. It's not like super clustered where it's like, oh yeah, they're 4.8, but that number 20 is like 4.6. So it doesn't, you know, there's like not really that big of a difference. So we're number 72 at 4.2 yards a carry. So they're giving up more than half a yard more per carry than we are. And you've seen, and we all know how not great our rushing defense is. Yeah. And that's the big question for BYU going into this game on the defensive side of the ball is can the Cougars slow down Arkansas's rushing attack? Cause KJ Jefferson uh, he is going to play, and he's unbelievable. Raheem Sanders is also unbelievable. Everybody knows the name K.J. Jefferson, but Raheem Sanders, their running back, 695 yards of five scores on the ground through six games, and then an additional 139 yards and an extra touchdown as a receiver out of the backfield. This is an all-around running back who is dynamic, and he's the guy that I think I'm most scared of. K.J. Jefferson is, you know, that he could win or lose the game for for Arkansas, no question about it. But based on what we've seen the last few weeks from BYU's defense, Raheem Sanders is the guy that BYU has to game plan around. Slow down Raheem Sanders and then make K.J. beat you with his arm. Even if he beats you with his legs, fine, so be it. But don't let the running back beat you by getting five yards a pop and, and you know, helping Arkansas convert whatever it was, 10 of 14 on third down, right? Like Raheem Sanders is going to be the nightmare. Right. Um, So I've got two things for you that may just kind of blow your mind a little bit here. Uh, You are sitting down. Below me. (laughs) uh, I will pass on that. So the pass to run ratio coming out of Starkville this year with Mississippi State is – in the Mike Leach offense, it's like two to one. Mike, Mike Leach is throwing the is running the ball over thirty percent of the time. But are they real runs or are they backwards passes that count as runs? Uh, that is a good point. How many of those are like a 
swing pass, you know, that is yeah. technically backwards. That, that is a good point. But Cause that that's always been kind of his staple. That's true. So I'm not, the other I'm not thing, blown there. I haven't been so blown yet. So looking when we're talking about rushing offense in Arkansas, trying to rush the ball. So Arkansas is number 39 in the country. They're averaging 4.6 yards per carry. Okay, uh-huh. guess where we rank and how many yards per carry we have averaged this season. Okay, hold on. Let me think through this a little bit. Um, we were pretty stupid bad, I know, for like the first three weeks, like two and then things got a little bit better. I'm going to say, and then we've had some big runs recently. I'm going to say that our season average at BYU, we have seen it climb to 3.9, and we are 98 in the country. Well, I'm going to, it is, I, I'm looking at team rankings, and I trust team rankings, and uh, I'm going to check on the NCAA website to see because sometimes they're different because like team rankings on scoring defense they like remove special teams and like pick sixes and don't whatever. Um, so we are where the hell are we on here? Um, so uh, ooh, I'm looking at CFB stats right now. 5.01 is that the number yeah, you've got? That's what team rankings has it as 5.1, number 20 in the country. I have, uh, I guess I'm looking at and then the NC, yeah, game. the NCAA has it right at 5.00. So I think team stats does some things like where they like they remove sacks from your the way the NFL does not count them towards like your sacks is towards your team rushing total. The NCAA does team rankings pulls that's true, and Sharon so, helps. But the so yes, it is at five yards carry. So we have like it is the problem is, and I looked at this a few weeks ago, is like it is feast or famine for us on the offensive line. Like it is we are popping like Chris Brooks having that forty yard touchdown run, or we are getting our asses stuffed on the at the line of scrimmage. Like there is it there is like no like it is all or nothing. Whereas last year with Algier, even though like you know, we averaged more, it's like we're almost like the 2010, like yeah. early Chip Kelly era, where it was like Dude. they got tackled for losses more than any other team in the country, but then they also led the country in like 20 average. yard runs. Because yeah. It, yeah, it was like you get nothing or you hit that cutback and go like that is what we are getting this year, and it's which is why it's really frustrating because you need like the consistency of like when we need a two or three yard, like when we need three yards to get a first down, we can't consistently get it. Like we can pop, maybe pop a 15 yarder or we're going to get <laughs> stuffed four plays in a row. Like well, that's... but this, does that, I mean, I don't know, right? I'm not very smart, but does that not go back to play calling? Like when it's an obvious, Hey, they're going to run the ball. They only need to gain two yards. Either a-Rod's calling some weird jet sweep that like hasn't worked unless it's Puka or we're just running the same running play and everybody knows exactly where it's going. Like, I think there's an element of play calling there that we've got to get better with. Cause the fact that the offensive line is opening up these holes where it is feast or famine tells me that the holes are there when the defense isn't sitting in the hole and ready for it. Right. right. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, also, I think we need to start having a discussion. We also looking at total offense though, yards per play. We're number nineteen at six point six yards per play. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't. That doesn't make any sense. But I, I mean, it does kind of go to show that, like, hey, look, uh, 
it was really crappy against Oregon and really crappy against Notre Dame. It's been pretty okay everywhere else. But those those are the two games we all remember for sure. Right. Uh, but here's the discussion that I think I need us to start to have, right? Is it time to just do what we thought we were going to do and give Chris Brooks the damn ball? 63 carries, 384 yards, five touchdowns. That's a 6.1 yard average. Like he has proven to me he's not the kind of running back that's going to be able to get seven or eight carries spread out sporadically throughout the game and be able to just come in and be hot. Like he, he needs, he needs to, get to be hit fed. A few times. He needs to be fed. What happens if we give Chris Brooks 20 carries tomorrow? I want to see it. I, I want just to like, see it. And, and that's where I'm like, where it's not like the problem, like I guess we've kind of, we said, okay, it's not working. It's the problem is it's not working enough times like bunched together right because it's like we're obviously getting yardage right we move the ball well but then it's like drive stall out and so we don't get it where it's like you know we're obviously we're we're top 20 in the country in rushing yards per carry but we feel like our rushing game sucks because when we need to move the chains and we're like counting on it and we're saying okay we need to make a play right here that play doesn't happen and right. so it's kind of like it's the crucial like make or break points is where we kind of disappear. And so that's the refreshing thing. But and that's or yeah, I want to see Chris Brooks like just ride the Chris Brooks train and give him time to get going. Because looking at his um, looking at his game log this season, he's got 13, 13, 10, 2, 11, 14. So it's I mean, he's like gotten some run. But yeah, it's, I, think, I don't know, man. I, I'm just ready to say he's the he he was brought in to be the guy against a big name team against you know in a in a in a time in the season where BYU's trying to find who they are again to get ready for the second half. Just let him be. Let him be the guy who we brought him in to be. If he fails, then he fails. But what what whatever it was last week failed. So try something different. Right. Um, I really want to see like I don't know. Have we is Miles Davis playing tomorrow? I have, I would I would be surprised. Like, I would be know, surprised if it is. I haven't heard anything definitive. Yeah, BYU's way. doing their BYU thing. Which but. since it's really quiet, then that leads me to believe that uh he will not be out. Like it would we would know if he was Yeah. Good yeah. Um, so hopefully that's not a really long term thing. But yeah, it's like give it's a bad rushing defense tomorrow. Apparently, if Jaron Hall is banged up, then you need to be running the ball. Like, take the pressure off of Hall and just, like, ride the Jer- ride the Chris Brooks train. Just, like, say, hey, like, O-line, this is the week. We're going to get it together. And you've struggled in, like, your average pass blocking grade all season on PFF is, like, a 62, which is not good enough in what we expected. And so just get that – time to get the rushing game going and just kind of say, like, hey, we're going to get back on track. Yep. And I'm honestly, I am more scared about the Liberty game next week than I am about the Arkansas game tomorrow. I'm terrified of that Liberty game. And people think I'm nuts, but no. that game's Anyone, scary. That game is scary. It's across, I mean, we'll talk about it more next week. It's across the country. There's more, I mean, it's anytime you got to play Hugh Freeze offense, like that's tough, kind of sucks. Um, so it's the travel's annoying. It's going to be at like 1.30 in the afternoon, going to the Eastern time zone. That's weird with sleep. Um, it is good though. I did see in some of the media availability that they did change the schedule this week. Um, so they have, because someone pointed out that after the Oregon game, uh, 
that it was like a trend with per- bad performance and things. Mm-hmm. And Kalani was like, oh, I didn't realize that. And so then I saw one of the players mention in their media availability this week that they started doing like 6 a.m. lifts, basically like force them to get out of bed all week long and like kind of shift their whole schedule two hours earlier to try to get their bodies used to it, which kind of mind boggling that it took this long to figure out that you maybe well, need to do yeah. something that also like, I thought uh, like I thought there was a sports psychologist on staff, yes. and that's the kind of thing that's like, hey, you need to be m- mindful of doing this to get the yes. minds right to go. So I don't know what that guy is doing, but I thought we had one of those. Right, it's not Kalani's fault that he didn't pick up these trends because like he's here to coach football games, but he's not the hired, analyst. There's all of these analysts. There's all of these doctors. There's all of these everybody else. I don't even care about the assistant coaches. This is on all of the staffers that are like, hey, no, everything's fine. Like, look, guys, if you're on the staff now in any role, if you're an analyst, if you're the sports psychology department, uh, Kalani doesn't dictate everything anymore. And maybe he does. He's the final decision maker, I guess. But it's time to, to put your big boy or your big girl pants on and be like, yo, coach, something's wrong. Look at what's happening. Pointed out to him the fact that Kalani is learning from the media about this. It's like if you are at, you know, you're you're at your job and you have a system that goes down, and it's your customer who calls you and says, "Hey, I'm trying to do X and it's not working." Like that's a problem, right? You should have all kinds of monitoring, all kinds of whatever to identify these outages. If your customers are pointing it out to you, you're failing. Hello, like that's what's happened here with this whole day game trend. And it isn't on Kalani. It's on, it's on the support staff. Like, support the staff. Right. Don't make the staff do everything. Support the staff. And so, yeah, it's. I don't know why it's taking long. I'm glad they're doing something different. I guess we'll see if it made a yeah. difference. And I, I think the approach of, okay, we're going to start our meetings earlier. So that way your body clock has like a full, you know, if they normally start at eight, we're going to start at six all week. So that way there isn't a two hour shift for your body clock. I think that makes sense. Hell start at freaking five o'clock in the morning. I think everybody should just start getting a couple pills of Adderall about an hour before kickoff. Like I'm not, I'm not obviously seriously condoning the use of drugs to like artificially enhance our performance, but I'm not, not condoning it. You know, I just don't feel like I can like in this world where you can get sued for everything you say, I feel like I have to be very careful. What about performance enhancing devices during chess tournaments? I would approve. Have you seen that article? I have. Or the thing? Yeah. It's crazy. So there is, you can Google, uh, just Google chess tournament butt plug, and then we can yeah. <laughs> we'll get you where you need to go. It's nuts. Uh, that there is apparently a big brouhaha in the chess world because supposedly some guy got caught cheating, and the way it was is he had stuck something somewhere and had like someone using a computer and basically buzzing him somehow to tell him what moves to make. Speaking um, of, uh, I live kind of by a farm. You know that, right? Yes. I, I don't like. I've got. I've There's got lots cows. of farms in southern Alberta. I've got cows uh, looking out my bedroom window. I see, I don't know, 20 cows, few goats. Uh, in the goat pen, the calf pen of these cows and the goat pen is very close to each other. And I am currently watching a grown goat mount a calf cow. So well, I don't know if that science something. science is out, but we might have a new species here in West Point in coming days. 
Yeah, that's that is not what I expected you to go with that that direction, but you know, there we go. Well, um, you brought up butt plugs, man. That's like, true. This was your fault. Uh, so looking uh, looking ahead, so just running down. Why saying so? It's Blake Freeland has obviously been great, right? Like he has played well. His overall run blocking grade on PFF is an eighty three. He's played elite. Like yes. he has been. Everything but we hoped he'd the be. The problem is, so we, it's like in PFF, they actually break down whether it's like a zone or gap scheme. So they look at it. So we got like uh, Campbell bearing, well, so Freeland, 88 in zone, uh, 32 run snaps and playing a gap in a gap scheme, 53. Campbell Barrington, 79 in zone, 44 in gap. Ethan Erickson, uh, actually, I don't care about the tight ends. Clark Barrington, 65 and 50. Harris Lachance, 61 and 57. Kingsley, 61 and 58. Connor Pay, 58 and 65. And so we've actually run, the, it's interesting, like the last few weeks, we've run a lot more, like what you would call like a gap, you know, thing. Like we've been running more, um, just like pulling in more kind of gap stuff, like running trap and counter more. But it's the that all or nothing it's i did not you know when the entire offensive line outside of frame when you got the next five guys are all like in the 60s across the board like that's not that's not what we expected going in so i think yeah. tomorrow will be a great opportunity to get back on track um before as we wrap up here um we've got our uh couple questions from the discord so over under <laughs> corley asks uh over under 300 total rushing yards for arkansas how many rushing yards do you think our defense will give up? Uh, Arkansas. So for context, Arkansas averages like 240-ish yards a game, 235 yards a game Yeah, on the ground. So if you hold them to 230 yards, it's going to be like, holy shit, they've rushed the ball so much. But like that's what they do, right? Uh, I, I would say about there, yeah, 235 the number eight, yards. Number eight in the country, 239 a game, right yeah. behind Army. Yeah, so I would say 235 yards, and that would be a pretty damn fine performance by the defense. Yeah, so yeah, they average 230 or 239 on the ground, and then passing offense to passing yards per game. I'm probably gonna have to search because they're in 256 passing. So they're, I mean, okay. their offense is good. They average almost 500 yards a game. Um, so but passing, their passing game is similar to ours, and rushing. You know, they're, they're putting up numbers. So, I, yeah, I would say I think they will get a little bit more, especially, like, if, depending on how Jefferson feels. If he can't, um, you know, quite run the – or, you know, can't quite throw the same, or they're going to maybe try to hand up the ball off more to prevent him from taking unnecessary hits. So I still think under 300, but it will be, like, 275. It's going to be a number that fans will hate and will make them sick, but that's just who Arkansas is and how they run their offense. Um, also said over under 11 passing yards for Jaron in the first half. If it is under, then he just needs to not be playing. So that I think that is safe. I think the first passing play of the game, he will hit over that. Um, but it's, yeah, that it, I, I will, I will stop watching the game if he has another half. Where it's, if it's like, if he goes like three of 10 for 11 yards in the first half again, I'm not going to watch the second. That's half. a threat. That's the threat that will move the needle. If you're going to make threats, do threats that hit people where it hurts and yeah. you turn it off the game. I mean, that's going to, that'll send a message. 
I mean, it'll it won't say it'll send a message to myself. Yeah, I feel, but it won't send a message to anyone that matters. Over, oh, I've got a quarter, 20, over under 20 rushing yards in the second quarter by BYU. What is with all these weird props? I don't know. Uh, yes, I think they'll hit the over. I thought, uh, f- total 14 offensive plays in the first half. Ugh, that was so bad. Uh, I yeah, mean, the, honestly, the second, that's two weeks in a row that it was like that. Yeah, ugh, so bad. I'm still going over, but so bad. It's, again, if it's, if it's like that again, then we got... We got problems. Then there uh, are big problems, yeah. There are big problems. So what is your final prediction on this game? I have said all along. So the reason maybe I'm not quite as down on the world of BYU football as the common consensus seems to be, so far the season's kind of played out from a record standpoint exactly how I thought it would. I, I, I always said, thought Autzen was going to be really tough to go and play and win. And I always thought Notre Dame was going to be really tough to go play and, and win in essentially a road game, right? Now, having said that, like I do think that Notre Dame is not very good and BYU should have won that game, so I get the frustration. But looking at it at a macro level, the season's playing out pretty well how I expected it to if you would have asked me in June. I have th- long thought that this is a game this week that BYU is going to win. Uh, I think that I just ignoring what we see on the field. I don't think Arkansas has any desire to play this game. No, like this, this is Sam, Sam how we kinda, feel about Liberty next week of like, yeah. this is stupid. We got to travel across the country to play yeah. this random team that we don't care about. Exactly. That is how Arkansas feels. So day. Sam, Sam Pittman kind of talked about it too, right? During his pressers this week that he was like, well, we have a bye next week, and so that that makes it a little easier, I guess. But like, no, ideally we wouldn't be traveling to Utah in the middle of conference play. Like a year from now, when BYU is back at a conference, we're all going to like look at each other and have this, uh, you know, kumbaya meeting about like all the things that we told ourselves were okay in Independence that really weren't okay. And this is going to be one of those things that conference play matters and once you hit conference play that's what you want to do so i don't think arkansas wants to play this game and so i think byu gets this i think byu gets the win by i'm gonna say 10 points i think byu wins by a couple of scores i i hope so i think i think after i i don't know people it's always hard with kalani to read into the coach speak and if you listen to the post game show he it sounded very different like he was it was not like oh well we we haven't played our best we need to tighten things up like we're going to watch the film and identify things whatever like he was like he was pissed about how that game played out and he the first time he said like you know we need to review everything and maybe some of the things we're trying to do maybe we're not trying to do the the, the right things like and he's never said that before this season right and so it's those are the kinds of things where you know you really you're like okay this is you know, we need to see things and I, I need to, I honestly, I should go back and dig through the archives to listen to like the post game show for the um, Toledo game in 2019, where heading into Boise when we're like, Dude, we're going to get rolled by Boise, Baylor Romney's there, like, you know, or I guess that was after the USF game, whatever, whichever game it was, um, you know, where it's like, we're going to get rolled by Boise and this game sucks. And then it was like, oh, well, there was uh you know, we're down to Baylor Romney starting his first game. And then that was the game when, you know, A-Rod completely took over the passing game. 
Um, we shifted a lot more into running like a wide zone and kind of a lot of away from a lot of the gap stuff that we were, were doing previously and run blocking. And so I think it kind of felt like a, like, this is like a wake up call gate. Like it's, we've, he tried to be nice, tried to delegate, tried to let the assistant coaches do their thing. But now he's like, okay, now we got to step it, which is hard because like, you know, should that have happened a week earlier after Utah state? Maybe yeah, but then also you did put them away really easily, and it wasn't a close. Uh, so you, what do you do? You went a whole quarter without throwing the ball because you were afraid your quarterback was going to right. Get it. And it's like, and then same with Wyoming. It's like, hey, you beat Wyoming by two scores, and your quarterback played amazing. Like, and after the first two drives of the game, your defense settled in. So it's like, you know, what do you do on that game? And then like Oregon, it's like, okay, well, that was your first bad game of the season. Whatever, you know, it's not. Um, and so it's not like a yeah it was not it, it's kind of like when was there a time for him to insert himself and say like okay no like this is our come to jesus week but i i'm hoping that i think this is going to be that week and you know i think we win by two i think we win by double digits as well i'm, I'm going last week i had bad juju the whole way on the drive up i had the morning of the game i didn't feel good going into the game i didn't feel good did you as soon as jaron hall freaking threw that interception the first time Play of the game, I didn't feel good. Did and, you but come I'm up by yourself? No, I uh, I drove up with one uh, Brandon Prince from ah, who, very good, who is a, a fellow former human who uh, now lives in the Phoenix area, a uh, member of our Discord, supporter of the show, and um, so he and I drove up together and we met another buddy of his up there, and so it, it was a great time. We spent way too much time in the car driving back. We got almost halfway. And then there was an accident, so they closed the freeway and sent us all the way back to Boulder City, and we Oof. had to cut over. So my five-hour drive took 10 hours, um, which that sucked coming back. That does suck. But, there was construction going the other way, too. That like People yeah. were backed up for hours. It was so stupid. That sucked, but the company was great, and uh, he is not on our like VIP discounts or anything. But uh, if you are in the Phoenix area or really anywhere in the western United States, if you have an animal that needs surgery, take them to Care Surgery Center in Glendale, Arizona, Wow. Brandon and his team will get you right. Like they have apparently the specialist that they have at his clinic, the veterinary specialist, the surgeons are like one of a couple hundred in the world. And Ooh. there are things that they do at their clinic that there's only two or three places in the United States where they can do them. So okay, it was, I, I took my dog there for a small hernia repair and it went great and it was fine. But apparently Isn't they that do dog br- brand new. Yeah, he was born with a um, with a he hernia. Had, he had an umbilical hernia, which is, I guess, uh, it was like it was from his mom, like ripped the cord off too soon or something. So there was he had a, a very very small, needed like two stitches, and so it wasn't a big deal. Um, what in the world, man! I watched City Slickers. You've seen City Slickers, yeah. right? Yeah. Calf gets born. Norman Curly immediately puts a bullet in the mom's head because she's dying. Like that's my mentality from you know the farm background, not put a bullet in everybody who has Bert's head, but like dogs getting hernias, that just blows yeah. my mind. So it, it's apparent. Yeah, it can be a common thing. Apparently there's some people that are very much like you should not breed any dog that had an umbilical hernia because it's hereditary and you're causing thing. But it literally is like, it was two stitches huh. and, and some glue to cover the scar. That was it. And it's like, whether it was, he was born with it or it was like, because if you rip the umbilical cord off too soon, then that will like cause it. So whatever. But anyway, take your, if you need animal care, care surgery center, 
in Glendale, Arizona. The there is the go. official veterinary clinic of Brigham. We are giving That's our stamp of approval on it. Um, so I, I think tomorrow's the bounce back game and it's going to be, I think we'll finally kind of breathe a sigh of relief and there will be those fans like, just enjoy it. Just forget about last week and just enjoy it. Like if you can't enjoy a win over an sec team, I mean, we rarely get them in Provo. And so if you can't enjoy it, then just like, don't watch it. If you're going to be the guy that's like, Oh, we should have done this last week when we would have been five and one. Blah, blah, blah. Like, don't be that guy. Okay. Just let it go. Enjoy the win tomorrow. And let's just give them hell. Well, yeah, and and then I know that that was a really good c- closure to the show. I know it that's kind of where you were going, but I'm not ready to end it quite yet. Okay, we do have some recruiting stuff. It's a big recruiting news. Oh, yes, it like, is. There's, there's a Hunter there's Clegg. A, you don't want to go to Stanford. Cut that crap out. You're smarter <laughs> than that. Well, yeah, I mean, so guys like Hunter Clegg have already said they're coming to the to visit, but there's a bunch of other guys that are supposed to be there as well. You know, uh, Ethan Thomason is locked in. I, I just want to make that clear. He's coming out for, I believe, this will be his third game this year. I, I know he's I committed, it. but like, I love it. Yeah, he's locked in. Um, other guys, uh, Spencer Fano is supposed to be there. Smith Snowden is supposed to be there. Uh, there are a handful of players that I don't know that I'm ready to like publicly say who they are. JoJo Phillips will be there. That's I love, one. I love me some JoJo. But there's a couple of guys that. I think could get offered and commit quickly if they, if they show up, this is why you, I'm not ready to count it because sometimes unofficial visits like this, they get canceled at the last minute. Cause it's all on everybody's own dime, but there's a couple of players that are very good that I think will be there tomorrow that have told me they are going to try and be there tomorrow. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a few guys that could really, turn i don't know make this a really big game so needless to say a couple of maybe you might say like a, a big guy maybe a couple of yeah some big a guys large? there's some large guys there's one particular very large guy uh so there's there's a few so anyway big recruiting weekend it would behoove the future of byu football to make sure that les is very 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 loud and very 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 fun tomorrow so there's that i mean we uh, should Rick- just do that every game well just yeah us, but, right? but anyway there's that uh there's a linebacker who i've got my eye on from out of state that does not currently have an offer kind of an under the radar guy that i think is one that could if he gets an offer and he comes to byu which i think he would if he got the offer he's one that you're looking at as kind of like a spencer hadley type that like whoa damn this guy's good how did he fly under the radar um i like anyway so there's it's a big big recruiting game tomorrow um and recruiting is going well i tweeted this out 85.42 that's the average rating for a byu recruit right now and i i did have some jabroni that like clearly has never like paid attention to recruiting uh because byu's average rating over the last two or three years has gone from like 82.8 to 83.1 to now up to 85.4 and this blowhard is like, well, that's not a statistical increase. That's only like two numbers. Rah, 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 rah. That's a lot in the recruiting world. It's a lot in the recruiting world. So pound sand, guy. You don't know what you're talking about. Uh, BYU's recruiting is going really well. And this is the kind of uh, the kind of weekend that could help continue that momentum. 
So, yes, it, it, the, the bump is definitely there, and a lot of it is just a more effort by the staff of trying to get the guys that maybe they just before were like, well, and they won't want to come to it, like a, kind of a defeatist attitude. And now with the P5 invite, it's gone, whatever. In the past, it is what it is, but it is frustrating also that that's going to take like 17 years by the time half these guys see the field because of missions. But the recruiting is improving. We're getting there. This is going to be... This is being becoming a very well well-rounded class, not just like a lot of good talent. It's very well-rounded on both sides of the ball, um, which is something we haven't seen the last few years. But it's going. I'm excited about the future and where things are headed on you know everything. Um, and so it has been. We will have more. Join our Discord. Go to the website givenhopebrigham.com. Click on the Discord link, and you can join us. Our game threads are awesome. Um, our game thread has been fun all week and you can join us and then also get more recruiting updates. I'm sure as, as the weekend goes on, Jeff will be getting updates uh, from the players and their families, you know, how the unofficials and the officials are going and we will have updates faster than anywhere else. You will see them in the BYU in all of Cougar. So Jeff rest up. You got a big day tomorrow. Got to get back in your chair. We're going to get back on the winning, winning side and we're going to knock the crap out of the, out of the hogs. We're going to make some bacon. We're frying bacon tomorrow. I like it. I'm feeling it. I like Until it. next go, week, Jeff. Go Braves and give them hell. Go, uh, I won't say the go Braves. Oh, come on. You almost said it. <laughs> For you, go Braves and give them hell. <laughs>